part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. When you camp, that's about as intimate as it gets, okay? It really is, you know. You're sleeping in pretty close corners. You know, there's only one bathroom and it's around the corner and all that kind of stuff. And so camping is one of these intimate building times. Well, think about this. Christ, for the most part, camped out with the disciples for three years. You know, they're traveling different places. And yes, there were times that they stayed with people like Mary and Martha and other places. But for the most part, they're just kind of, you know, what did he say? I I didn't really have a place to lay my head. I just kind of find a place at the end of the day and that's my bed. And that's what they had done for three years. Three guys that truly totally left everything that was familiar to them to go to this unfamiliar one, Christ, and said, I, I dedicate my life to you. So for three years, they share in this intimacy. They, they've lost fa- lost, uh, left their family. They've lost, uh, left their homes. They've left everything that's kind of uh, within a hand's touch to, to this unknown. And now Jesus, three years into this, says, okay, I'll tell you the rest of the story. I'm going to die on a cross. But I want you to know that that was really purposed. That was from the very beginning. This isn't something that has come up. This is something that I was always made for. I was called to do this from the very beginning. Well, you can only imagine how that would disturb those people that had given their lives. Because the number one question would come in the same way that uh, if a spouse came home to you and say, Hey, I lost the job today. One of their most immediate thoughts, practical in nature, well, what, what are we going to do? How are we going to pay the bills? And that uncertainty all of a sudden brings in all kinds of fear, all kinds of chaos, anxiety to our lives. Well, then it gets, you would think, well, it can't get worse than that. I mean, what could be worse than your leader telling you that he's going to go die on a cross? Chapter 13, it gets a little bit worse because in chapter 13, he says, now one of you is going to actually betray me. One of you is actually going to go and betray me. You say, well, it couldn't get any worse than that. I mean, betrayal? Some of you spent three years with, you, you, you've slept right beside, you've, you've prayed together, you've you know, cried together, you've mourned together, you've rejoiced together. And he goes on. Peter, as Peter often would, kind of speaks up and says, well, you know, I, I think we can hold it together. I'll make sure that it's held together. And he says, Peter, you're actually going to deny me. Not once, not twice, but three times. That's John chapter 13. Then we come to John chapter 14, and you can only imagine that, you know, the disciples, these 12 disciples, they're they're kind of pointing out, okay, who's going to be the betrayer? We know that Peter's going to be the denier. You know, what's going on? What's going to be the future? And that's when he gives this blessed thought, John 14, 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. This morning, we're going to confront the simplicity of that, but also how profound that is. Here's one of the most difficult things about the Christian life, especially if you're a thinker. If you've got a part of you that really likes to kind of look at philosophy and kind of look at the big picture, one of the most challenging parts of Christianity is, could it really be that simple? I mean, let's say you go to college. You get a degree. You're a big thinker. You're used to thinking big thoughts, and then all of a sudden you come to church on Sunday, and you're going, man, the preacher made that sound so simple. Believe me, we realize that there's a conflict that goes on in a lot of parts and minds. 
Well, I wish I was more like my grandmother. My grandmother said, if the Bible says it, and, and that's what I read there, and Christ promised this to me, then it's going to be. I love that simple faith. And yet there's been a lot of times in, in my mind, in my walk with Christ, that I had to confront things in my mind before they really settled in my heart. And, and this is one of those times... Jesus comes back and says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. He just said he's going to go to the cross. He said, one of you is going to betray me. One of you is going to deny me. And then he comes back with this verse and he says, but it's going to be okay. Why? Because I'm holding it all together. If you've ever thought that Christianity was kind of a simple man's thought process, you're right. That's where faith comes in. That's where trust comes in. Have you ever thought, you know, these little biblical answers just are not sufficient for the complexities of the world? That's where you would be wrong, though. I mean, I really would confront you on that in a loving way. I'd love to debate. I'd love to discuss. Because sometimes it is the simplicity. If it comes from the person who can truly make it happen, it doesn't have to be profound. How many of you, since it's Thanksgiving time, how many of you remember as a little kid sitting in the back seat of the car to grandma's, going to grandma's. You remember that? Now, when I grew up, this will kind of give away that I'm an old guy, a lot of places were closed on Sunday, even the gas stations. And so we would travel from Atlanta all the way to Virginia, and and we would just get there. You know, and there was a lot of complexities back in those days. My dad kind of had to figure out who's going to be open to get gas, you know, where can we stop? Because it just not every place was open. But I was in the back seat, and as an 8-year-old and 9-year-old, I had my baseball cards, and I did not worry. Now, I did ask, are we there yet? Uh, plenty of times. But, you know, I can never really remember, even once, with all the complexities of, okay, are we going to have enough gas? Are we going to get there on time? All these, are, are we taking the right directions? Long before GPS and all that kind of stuff. The old maps. And you just hope that you got there. But in the back seat, there was great comfort. Why? Because my daddy was in the front. Now, guys, you say, well, Bobby, that's kind of simplistic. Yes, it's simplistic. I wasn't the dad. I was the kid. And in one way, guys, if you take Christianity and you try to make it much more than that, then you've kind of lost the flavor of the whole New Testament. In the Old Testament, we really see holy God and sinful man, and we see all the complexities. But the New Testament introduces us to this thought process of that God is our Father, and that we're His children, and that we can come into His family through Jesus Christ. It's the most beautiful thing about the Bible, that it gets really intimate. It's not that the Old Testament isn't intimate, but we see structure in the Old Testament. And we see this intimacy that's introduced by Jesus Christ. And while we may, you know, think profound thoughts, I mean, I, I sat around with all the guys at seminary and, you know, thinking all the complex, profound thoughts of theology. Can God make a rock big enough that God can't move? You know, did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? You know, all those deep things, you're going, ah, never thought about that. Well, we talk about all those things, but if that's what Christianity comes down to, just facts and figures and this and that and a routine that you do on a Sunday morning, then you have lost the essence of what Christianity is all about. 
See, the truth is, it is easy to get overwhelmed in life. That's one thing that we all share in common. Some handle it better than others, but every one of us have the complexity of living in a world that is inconsistent. When man sinned, chaos came into this world. Before then, there, there wasn't chaos. Adam and Eve, I mean, they just walked. There wasn't sin. There wasn't threat. There wasn't fear. There wasn't all these different things. And then they disobeyed God. And when they disobeyed God, part of that penalty, part of what we paid for as mankind, as part of that creation of God and that rebellion of God, is that we brought chaos into the world. That's what sin did. That's why heaven is so attractive to us, because it's a place without chaos. I told somebody one time, I said, you know, you're not going to even have to have faith in heaven. And they said, I never thought about that before. I said, yeah, faith is a component of this world, because right now we're believing something that we have not seen. And so we have to have faith. I said, you're not going to have to have that, because you're going to be right in the presence of God. But right now we live in this chaos. We live in inconsistency. So we have good days, we have bad days. We have happy times, we have sad times. That's life in a fallen world. Before the fall, every day was a good day. Before the fall, before sin came into the world, there wasn't this, I wonder what's going to happen tomorrow. But this is the world that we live in, and that's why we need to have verse like John 14:1. let not your heart be troubled. See, somehow we need to have sense out of the nonsense. Uh, we do that with a lot of different ways. Sometimes we believe in luck. If you've ever been around athletes, uh, athletes are some of the most superstitious people that I know. And it's one of those, oh, man, I pitched really well today. I'm not going to wash these socks. And you better hope that somewhere along the way that guy loses a game because he's not going to wash those socks or he's not going to wash that shirt or whatever it is because all of a sudden he's going, okay, what, gave the, what made this a good day? You, know, you don't have to be in, ath- in athletics. You don't have to be a baseball player. You don't have to kind of be out there to say, okay, how do we make the chaotic days turn into good days? What did I do right last week? We all have that little form of, in the back of our minds of just thinking, how do we make sense out of nonsense? Well, folks, there's only one way, and his name is Christ. Well, Pastor, I, I would expect for you to have that as an answer, but I'm telling you, this is the only answer the Bible ever gives. It never gives another answer except for Christ of making sense out of nonsense of this world. And that's really the, the setting for John 14. They'd had good days. I mean, can you imagine being some of the disciples and you actually saw people raised from the dead? It's pretty cool. I mean, you you would tell stories about that. But they also saw some really bad days. Challenging challenging days when they were ran out of town. And and this would probably be one of the most challenging when your leader comes up and he says, hey, I'm going to die on the cross. And yet it's for purpose. That's the setting of this. And yet look again, John 14, 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. But now look at the verses that follow. Jesus goes on and begins to explain. Instead of just giving this kind of like pat answer, he begins to explain how can we have hope in the midst of what looks like a hopeless situation. Verse 2 and 3. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you and I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. 
He said, look, I, I am leaving, but I want you to know I'm just not leaving and not showing up again. There's a purpose in my leaving. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. We know this place to be heaven. We know this place to be what we long for. Go back and look at the, the old hymns, been written from the 1400s, 1500s, 1600s, and, and almost all of those would kind of start off with the turmoil of this life and the chaos of life on this earth. And yet stanza four, because a lot of the hymns just had four stanzas, what was stanza four about? Heaven. Because those hymn writers said, okay, chaos now, but heaven is coming. And almost all of those old songs kind of had that flow to it. To where you ended up with the sense out of the nonsense. That's what this table does. Not this table, but the communion table. Puts hope back into hopeless situations. Guys, I've seen marriages that were falling apart. They had no earthly reason to, to stay together. And yet the beauty of the gospel... And not that they were super Christians and they had everything figured out, but, but the gospel and the beauty of Christ was enough to, to say, okay, we'll go another day. I've seen marriages restored. I've seen relationships between sons and daughters you know, restored, parents and kids. I've seen all kinds of things happen that really could not be explained. Chaos that existed, and yet Christ brought something beautiful out of that chaos. And maybe that's where your life is today. And it just seems like there's a lot of uncertainties. A couple of weeks ago, um, I don't know, just all the stress from the election. I mean, I just, it, it really kind of bogged me down this year. Um, and so it was one of those things, I, you know, you'd go to talk to somebody and they get really passionate either for or against. And you just always felt like, my goodness, I, I've had enough of it. And, and so I did something I almost never do. In fact, I don't believe I've ever done it before. I turned on Christmas music. And I, now I love Christmas. I love Christmas. I absolutely love Christmas. But always Thanksgiving Day forward. But this year, I just need it. And there was something about turning on that Christmas music and song after song was about, in a chaotic world, hope was coming. Song after song. Joy to the world. I mean, all the different songs. Heart to Herald Angels sing. All the different songs were about hope being introduced in this world. And I just felt my whole spirit being lifted. To the point we went ahead and started putting up the Christmas trees. I said, I just, we're going to be, it's going to be Christmas here. It may not be Christmas anywhere else, but we're going to have a Christmas here. Have you ever felt you just needed that hope of Christmas? What is it about Christmas? We're old enough to know it's not the toys, it's not this. It's the hope of Christ. That in a chaotic world, when things just are not certain, God said, here's one thing you can know for certain. My son is going to come. He's going to live and die in your place so that you can have a hope to get out of the chaos and come be with me forevermore. That, that's what he was telling the disciples here. I truly believe, guys, that one of the most prized possessions of Satan and his minions is your hope. I, I really believe that. Satan knows that he cannot take your salvation. If you're in Christ, he cannot touch that. And even Satan knows that. But you know what is up for grabs? You know what is kind of 
you know, still in that yanking back and forth and that tug of war. It's your hope. And there's a lot of times that I really believe that if we made a, a top three list of the things that Satan is most aiming at in your life, that if hope isn't number one, it's got to be number two or number three. Because what happens the minute that we lose hope? And we lose so many different things. Fear uncertainty begins to rule and reign in our lives. And so one thing that we see here, at the moment when this fear and uncertainty and all the chaos of the world began to come upon the disciples, Jesus comes back, and he doesn't come with some complex answer. He comes back, look, I just want you to know that it's okay. If I go, there's a purpose in my going. He knew that our hope would come through him. He knew that the promise that he was going to bring, that, that's what this table represents. That's what the, the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ comes. That it reminds us that in a world full of uncertainties, that we can have the certainty of Jesus Christ. doesn't mean that all of our troubles go away. Wouldn't it be great if we could really find a place on earth that all your troubles go away? It doesn't exist. I promise you, if you interviewed some people like monks that go off to the Tibetan mountains or something like that, and they go up there and you know, they're all by themselves in the place of solace, and they go, okay, we're going to escape the chaos of the world down there. You know what they will probably tell you? We just found a different kind of chaos up here in the midst of the snow on the top of this mountain. Have you found an escape from chaos besides Christ? I mean, have you found an earthly answer to the chaos of, of our lives? No. So it's going to be a component that we deal with. But when we come to this table, when we come and say, okay, Christ, your death, your resurrection, it had purpose, and that purpose still lives in my heart and my life today. Then all of a sudden we begin to say, okay, I don't need to focus on the uncertainties. I need to focus on the certainty. Perhaps that's where you are this morning. As a believer, as a Christ follower, you, you find yourself, why am I doubting? Why is there, you know, why, why am I stressed out? And maybe you think it's just a lack of faith, and, and certainly it could be that. could be something else in your life. But, you know, every Christian goes through that. Please, please understand this morning that you're not a bad Christian because you kind of go through times when life is a struggle. I, I think that's just a part of being a Christian. I think that's what we see here. I mean, if Jesus has just come to save the day, is he going to save Judas from being the betrayer? Is he going to save Peter from being the denier? If he's just come to eliminate all of our mistakes and all of our rebellion and all of that in an earthly sense, he kind of didn't do the job here. But he says, no, this is going to be part of it. He's not forcing them to do that. He says, man, you live in a chaotic world and sometimes you make really chaotic decisions. And yet there's the restoration. To me, that's always been the biggest difference between Judas and Peter. Both did equal harm, if you want to call it that way. Judas never lived to see forgiveness. He was so overwhelmed with his guilt that he went out and he hung himself. Peter, John chapter 21, he goes out. He's ready to leave the ministry until Christ restores him back into that full relationship. Do you love me, Peter? Yeah, I love you, Jesus. You feed my sheep. Do, do you love me, Peter? Yeah, Jesus, I, I just said it. I'll say it again. I, I love you. 
Do you love me, Peter? And the Bible says at that point, it really hit Peter. He kind of connected his three denials to this reaffirmation of who Christ was in his life. He says, I love you, Jesus. He says, well, go tend to my sheep. That's part of what this table does, guys. It's, it's a line in the sand. Sometimes we just need a line in the sand for our lives. To say, man, I, I didn't handle this with great faith. I didn't handle this in the way that maybe I really wanted to. My faith was a little bit weak. My knees were kind of caving in a little bit. But God, right now, I, I just want to trust you. This moment, I just want to trust you as best as I can with this in my life. That's what John 14 is all about. Look what Jesus says. He begins to have this discussion going back and forth with Thomas. Verse 5, it says, Thomas said to him, Lord, we, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus just said, you know where I'm going. Jesus said, you know the answer to this. And what did Thomas say? I beg your pardon, Lord, but I don't know the answer. He just says, you know, you really do know the answer. And what does Jesus say in John 14, 6? I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. Now, what was going on in this little discussion going back and forth? Why did Jesus say, you know where I'm going? Today, Christian, you've got a lot of the biblical answers. There's a lot of things that you really know in your heart. And yet, like Thomas and like the disciples, even though you've grown up in the church, many of you, or maybe you've studied the Bible, you've read from start to finish, and you have some answers there, there's times that the chaos of our lives, the uncertainty of the future, so overwhelms us that we're like Thomas and we're going, no, we don't know the answer. And Jesus says, yeah, you do, the, you do know the answer because you know me. I really believe that's one of the reasons why Jesus said, Keep on doing this, that is, taking communion, the Lord's Supper, until I come back. Because in his love and his grace, I I think Jesus knew, man, they're going to have good days and they're going to have bad days. They're going to have days that they just kind of hit on on, on all engines there, or all cylinders, and there's going to be other days that they can't even get to to turn over. And I want to do something that they can come to. And even though those uncertainties are still there, they can know what's for certain. And that's why we invite you to the table today. If you're a believer, if you're a Christ follower, you've made that confession and profession of your heart and your life, you said, yes, I've trusted Christ with my life, then we invite you to come to the table. The Bible says that when we come, we come in an attitude of of examination. And maybe we examine our hearts this morning for saying, okay, God, where have I allowed chaos to control me rather than the confession of what Christ, who Christ is? How have I allowed this incident, this uncertainty to kind of overwhelm me? And if I was you, I think it's very biblical. You just say, God, I confess that to you. But I think as I come and as I take this, this little wafer that represents your broken body and this juice that represents your blood that was shed for me, and I come back from the uncertainties of this world, and I come back to the certainty of knowing without a doubt that you've paid a price for all my sin. I don't know all things, but this I know. That's why we do this table. Folks, we live in a very uncertain world. 
And if chaos is reigning in your life today, Christ, I believe with all my heart, welcomes you to this table and welcomes you. Doesn't mean that he's always going to say, hey, the minute you leave this table, your marriage is fixed, the, uh, your economy, personal economy is fixed, you got the job, not that you lost the job. You know, it doesn't mean that all those things that are uncertain that can promote chaos in our lives, all of a sudden, to get fixed. But he reminds us that he's the one that has fixed that which is, we could never do anything about, and that is our sin. And so this morning, we're just going to have a, a couple moments of prayer. And then after that, we invite you to come out, uh, come up to the table. Uh, you can do it in a, a number of different ways. You can come very individually this morning. You can come as a family. Uh, men, you can lead your uh, ladies. You can lead your families if you're here with your family. If you want to go up with a friend and say, you know, will you go up to the table? Will you kind of go with me this morning? That is perfectly acceptable. There, there's no rules except just to approach this with great reverence. It doesn't mean great tradition. What it means is great reverence of just knowing that we're coming because this is a statement of what Christ has done for us. And so we approach it with all seriousness, with examination of our heart, but also with great expectation. God, in this world of chaos, this I know. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you this morning. And Father, we would love during this Thanksgiving season, to say that we have such thankful hearts. We'd love to say that the blessings have so overflowed our lives that we couldn't help but be thankful. But Father, the reality is we still live in a very chaotic world. And Father, some of that chaos has really made its way into our own personal lives. There are family situations that, that we're just not sure about. We don't know if that, that relationship is going to be restored or if there's going to be further rebellion. We don't know if that marriage is going to work out if it's not going to work out. But Father, this we know. That your son has come, he has died, he has risen again. And while we will have trouble in this world, Father, we know that he is one that has come to say, let your hearts not be troubled. And so, Father, I pray that this would be a place of hope a table of hope and a table of peace today. Father, bless this time. Make it be a special time in our lives this morning, Father. All this we pray in the hope of Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.